I'm going to bribe you with candy. That's my plan. Uh, so I'm going to get this bowl uh, started around the room. Uh, so just kind of pass it around if you would, please. Um, yeah. So the white ones are peppermint. Um, so while while that while, while my bribes are uh, making their way around, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and pray and uh, thank God for this opportunity. Uh, Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity that we have uh, to open your Word. Uh, I thank you so much for the opportunity we have to gather together as your family uh, and as your children. Uh, Lord, bless this time that we have together. And in your name, amen. Um, so Kevin's been asking me uh, over the past several years, I come to do a minute for missions, and every time he's like, you can have the whole service if you want. And my answer is always, I don't want, so thank you. <laughs> um, so actually this year he, he didn't ask me, because um, I think he figured out my answer was pretty standard, so he just said, you got it, you're up. Um, and so as I started thinking about how am I going to take an hour and ten minutes? Uh, oh, is it, is not an hour and ten minutes? Oh, okay, just an hour. Anyway, uh, I started kind of going through, uh, kind of, what should I talk about? You know, how, how can I share Great Oaks for an hour and ten minutes? Um, and to some degree, I came up with kind of three answers. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do, and then I'm going to do it. Uh, one, uh, just kind of a brief overview of what Great Oaks is, who we are, for any of you that, that don't know. Um, and I kind of want to share a little bit of what I do there. Um, and then I'm going to share kind of our heart uh, as, as members of the body of Christ uh, there. So as a brief overview, uh, Great Oaks is an inner city ministry that's nowhere near the inner city. Uh, we're about 40 minutes north in Lakin, um, which uh, I was I was talking to the uh, paint company earlier this year, uh, and I was kind of sharing, you know, what we do. We, uh, you know, we, we serve uh, the at-risk youth of the greater Peoria area. Uh, we give them a week of camp for free. Um, and so we're an inner city ministry, and, and then he was like, oh, okay, great, cool, cool. Um, and he was starting to write down our address, and I said, Lakin. And he said, Lakin? I thought you said inner city. He said, yeah. Well, so we do serve Peoria. Um, we serve Peoria. We serve uh, the greater area. Um, but we're, our goal is to be able to provide life-changing experiences and connecting the people to Jesus through that. Um, so that's kind of a brief overview of what Great Oaks is, kind of what we're trying to do um, as a ministry. Uh, and so a lot of my heart and what's kind of stuck me there over the years uh, kind of actually starts right there. Um, many, many years ago, uh, my dad was an elder here, and when he was asked to, to speak, he said, great. I know what I'll do. I'll distract them with steaks. And so he started grilling steaks right there. Um, 
And I honestly still remember what he was talking about. He was talking about uh, the temple, and he was talking about temple worship and how worshiping God is not like a clean, sanitary, like this is the time you do it and, and in you know this order. Uh, it was kind of a messy affair. Uh, God is a God that's big enough to handle a little bit of chaos now and then. Um, but it was his grilling steaks. I genuinely would never have remembered anything about his sermon if he hadn't stood up there and grilled steaks. And I thought, man, that's weird. Uh, and, and as his kid, I thought, man, we're going to be that weird family. And everybody's going to look at us like, what are you guys doing? And so, uh, but it, it stuck. And, and so in my head, it, it kind of started to solidify that, you know, these object lessons uh, that God has given to us, um, the very nature around us is such a powerful tool to express his goodness and his gospel. Um, and so that's a lot of what's stuck me at camp, uh, is being able to minister to people through the very uh, nature around us and bring these object lessons that are a little bit harder to do in church. And you end up being that weird family, um, but it becomes a lot more understandable and becomes a lot easier to do at camp, uh, and people expect it a lot more, too. Um, and so while I don't, uh, I, I don't grill steaks in our chapel, um, I do make kids carry uh, tractor tires, so I'm still up there on the on the weird object lessons. Um, but it's those sorts of things, the idea of how far can you carry a tire. The answer is, I mean, not infinitely, right? Um, and so that was an object lesson that I had for the kids, is uh, if, if sin is our tractor tire, you can do the best you can to live a good life, but eventually you can't do it, right? Um, and so it's those sorts of things that those kids will remember trying to carry a tire across a field for the rest of their lives. Um, and so it's those object lessons that become really powerful, and that's kind of the power of being able to be a parachurch organization is that we, can, uh, we get to be able to use those sorts of things. Uh, so that's one and two. Man, we're zipping through this hour. You guys didn't even know it was 20 minutes past, did you? Okay. Um, so, so with that, uh, I'm going to actually kind of, uh, begin what, what I have to say, uh, in Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 17, uh, we're going to read 27 and, and 28 for anybody that wants to read along with me. He who has knowledge spares his words and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace, and when he shuts his lips, he is considered perceptive. Okay. I'm done. No. Uh, oh, goodness. It's going to be a good day. But, uh, oh, no, but uh, uh, in Ecclesiastes 5, uh, something that, that I do think a lot about um, because, uh, so my answer to Kevin uh, is always, no, I don't want to take that time because I'm not used to talking for this long. I don't like doing that. I love leading Bible studies uh, and I love those interactions. 
Um, so I'm a lot more comfortable being able to, uh, you know, ask questions and, and dig deeper with people. And so I consistently tell Kevin, nope, I don't want to do that. Uh, not because I don't love sharing the gospel. I love getting into this book. Uh, I just love having to do it all by myself. Um, uh, but in Ecclesiastes 5, uh, something that I consistently remember that, that consistently uh, comes to my mind um, when, uh, when I'm praying or when I'm leading Bible studies, uh, it, it says, um, uh, God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. Uh, and it's just a good reminder that I need to talk a lot less and let God do the talking through his word. Um, and so with that, uh, something that I actually really like uh, is to read a whole chapter, and then we'll start going through it. Uh, so if you guys want to read along with me, I'm in 2 Corinthians. Um, we're going to uh, read the whole chapter 6. It's fairly short, so it should be all right. Um, we then, as... Workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We give no offense in anything that our ministry may not be blamed, but in all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God, in much patience, in tribulation, in needs, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in, t in, in labors, in sleeplessness, in fastings, by purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil reports and good reports, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying, and behold we live, as chastened and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you. Our heart is wide open. You are not, restrict, are not restricted by us, but you are restricted by your own affections. Now, in return for the same, I speak to you as children. You also be open. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So here at the beginning of chapter 6, it says, We then, 
And uh, and I kind of have to back up there because I need to know kind of where that's starting. Because he's, he's clearly starting in the middle of an argument, and this is kind of a conclusion to an argument. And so I actually want to back up uh, to 520. And that's as far as we'll back up. Otherwise, we'll go all the way to chapter 1. But... Um, because Paul loves his arguments, and he builds them very, very carefully and throughout the whole book. But anyway, um, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We then, as workers, together with you, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Okay, so that kind of got me thinking a little bit of, uh, of, of Christ pleading through, through Paul, through the other workers, um, and, and as Paul has called us uh, to, to follow him uh, as he follows Christ. Uh, I kind of started thinking about, man, what, where have I thought of pleading in the Bible? Where, wh- what, this word of pleading just kind of struck me. I was kind of like, man, that's kind of a weird word because I don't feel like I plea very much in my life. Uh, I think a lot of times uh, I try to embody the American spirit very much of I'll do it myself. Uh, too much. You can ask Leah. I, very much too much. But uh, I, I just I don't plead very much. And so it was kind of like a uh, a, a weird thing of, of I felt like I needed examples of pleading. Uh, and so I actually want to go to to Mark 14. Sorry for everybody that's trying to follow along. I'm going to be flipping a lot. So um, Okay, so in, in Mark 14, uh, starting in, in verse 32. Then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him. And he began to be troubled and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch. He went a little further and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might not pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible in you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but you will. Then he came and found them sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away and prayed and spoke the same words. And when he returned, he found them sleeping again, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know uh, what to answer him. 
Then he came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? It is enough. The hour has come. Behold, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Um, and I really like how how this passage corresponds so well to what we read in, in 2 Corinthians. Um, because it even has kind of the same structure. Uh, but I think sometimes when we read this, because I know I've read this a lot, and I'm sure many of you have seen this a lot, but I just really want, uh, I want to let us kind of dwell on Christ's pleading. He's pleading that if there's any other way, he says, Dad, if there's any other way, please, 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 I don't want to do this. And we as parents understand how hard that is when your kid, you know, for whatever reason, whether they, you know, uh, they just say, please, 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 I don't want this. Please, no. It's hard. It's really hard. And so that's where my, my mind with pleading went. Is, is is Christ saying, please, 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 I don't want to go through with this. But he doesn't end there. Um, he ends with, um, but not what I will, but what you will. Right? And so we see this pleading and we see this desperation in Christ and we see the desperation um, and then we kind of see the strength too of him saying I so don't want to do this I'm uh, I have never been so distraught that I fell down uh, and and I'm not half as strong of a man as Jesus is and that's his level of desperation of not wanting to do this. But it's really helpful to remember that that desperation was outweighed by the desperation that he has to bring us into his family. Sometimes it's very easy for us to remember the cross was crazy hard and Christ so didn't want to do this because he's like, Man, I mean, the physical pain, the physical agony of that, and knowing that you're doing this for the people that are putting you through this, that's an emotional agony that I have no idea about. And then we have a spiritual agony of him taking my sins on him. Man, I, that's three kinds of agony that I have no clue what that feels like. And he did. He knew exactly what was coming up. And he said, please don't make me do this. But I'm here because however much I don't want to go all three of these agonies, I am far more desperate to go through with this and get to the other side. So when we think of Christ pleading, for us emotionally sometimes it's easy to think of the negative pleading 
of I don't want to do this. It's very easy for me. That's, that's a side that actually starts tugging my heartstrings of thinking of my daughter saying, I so don't want to do this. Please don't make me do this. And so that gets me to emotionally understand his desperation to have me and his family. And he ends with, uh, are you still sleeping? Are you still resting? It is enough. Uh, Behold, now is the time. Let's go back to uh, 2 Corinthians. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, for he made him who has no, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain, for he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. It even has the same pattern of Paul pleading for us uh, to to work with him, to to um, to embrace the salvation that Christ has given to us, um, and it ends in the same way of behold, now is the time. Uh, and and in reading this, I, I can't I can't forget. Christ's words of, are you still resting? It is enough. And that is is a huge part of our heart at Great Oaks. I don't want to be resting. I want every minute of every day to be in the best pursuit that I possibly can of expanding his kingdom and bringing those that don't know him to be his family and to bring in those that do know him, to know him and love him better. Um, and I want my pleading for people. I want my heart for them to outweigh any fear of reprisals, any fear of pain, any fear of, of whatever the world can do to me. Because Christ is my example. And Christ has said, I'm done resting. And so I'm going to kind of actually uh, skip over uh, uh, most, of, most of six, kind of to the, to the end here. Um, because, I mean, he, uh, he goes through this, this great list. Um, it would take me years to go through that list because I'm not very fast at things. But... Um, I mean, he goes through this great list of what more can you put on that list? What what more can happen to you? If, and if if this is what your pursuit of Christ looks like, what 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 are you afraid of? You're good to go. Uh, and so I'm gonna uh, kind of go all the way down um, to to verse 16, uh, kind of the the end of verse 16. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, 
and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Man. I genuinely cannot comprehend what the Lord Almighty means. Mighty isn't even a word we use very much. But we have an understanding that mighty is kind of for better men long ago. And almighty is a word that really only one person has ever earned. And he's right here. And he says, I will dwell with them and walk among them. Yikes. That's a that's a yikes word. That the God Almighty, the creator of everything and the master of everything, wants to be here with us. He wants to walk with us. When I think of uh, Ecclesiastes 5, where it says, God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. I think, man, that really puts me in my place. Yeah, I'm not a whole lot of anything. Or in, in, a, in a phrase that I really like, uh, I'm not such a much. But he doesn't want to stay in heaven. And that should be sobering to us. Uh, he has told us repeatedly that his goal was never to keep this separation. And we've already seen his level of desperation to end this separation. He wants us to be with him. He wants to be able to dwell with us. He wants us to be able to dwell with him and in him. And so I kind of want, uh, I want to engage you guys into a thought experiment with me. All right? Um, so I'm going to give you guys some what ifs, uh, a couple what ifs. What if your father was C.S. Lewis? How much different would your life be right now? Or what if your father was Winston Churchill? How different would your life be right now? Those guys weren't terribly long ago. And they weren't terribly far away. They even both speak English far better than we do. But even that small difference, because they're still just men, very, very flawed and very, very broken, just like your father's. But it would change almost everything about your lives. Who your father is affects the rest of your life and it affects how you see things, where you live, how you see other people. So how much more 
should it affect our lives, that God Almighty is our Father. If your father was C.S. Lewis, would you tell people? You'd say, my dad wrote Mere Christianity. That's pretty cool. If your father was Winston Churchill, you'd say, my dad beat the Nazis. That's really cool. Well, my dad beat death. And that's unparalleled. And I want everyone to be able to know that he's not just my dad. Anybody can have this dad. And so that's my heart. Uh, and that's what draws our ministry is this goal, this idea that with the same determination that Christ had to go to the cross to create the day of salvation for us, that's the determination, and that's the goal that we should have too. It is however much Christ went through and however much determination he had to bring us into his family and to say, I want you, wherever you are, however broken you are right now today, I want you to be a part of my family. I want to have that same view to everyone that I meet. And I don't want to rest. So I don't know if I took an hour, but I'm done. I just really want to be able to encourage you guys. Uh, I, I so hope that this has been uh, an encouraging uh, thing. Because as I, as I was thinking through, man, what, what do I have to say to anybody here? I thought through um, teaching. Mm, no, no, no. Not this crew. This crew is a very intelligent crew. I got nothing in, I got nothing better to say. Rebuking? Oh no. <laughs> Not even close. But I think encouraging is something that I can do. And I want you guys to be able to leave here, leave this congregation because the church isn't the building. You all know that but to leave this gathering of the family so jazzed about being able to share that your dad beat death that people have to say, hey, I've heard. I'm in the family too. You can calm down. I want you guys to be able to have those experiences of mm, maybe take it a little bit easy on the Christianity stuff because this is so incredibly powerful. This is life-changing. Nobody has the opportunity to genuinely encounter Christ and say, huh, it can't be done. It never has been, and it never will be. So my encouragement to you is go be Christ. Go plead with people and have that same exuberance. Thanks.